In these podcasts, we uncover one chapter after another from the life of the Prophet ﷺ in an attempt to learn about him, love him, and better ourselves through his example. Immersion, mentorship, companionship, and tarbiyah. These are just a few of the things we offer alongside knowledge of the prophetic biography at the Sirah Intensive. Two weeks dedicated to the study of the life of the Prophet ﷺ and his noble characteristics. So this winter, inshallah, join me in Dallas, Texas, alongside your classmates from all over the world to learn the story of the life of the best of humanity, the mercy to mankind, the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. Go to sirahintensive.com to register or for more info. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. So uh, for the folks who, mashallah, attend here in uh, person or those who uh, tune in online, um, we've I know that we've been on uh, break or we've been on hold uh, for quite some time just due to Ramadan and then... Um, I had the Quran intensive program and then just travel and things like that. But uh, over the last few weeks, I've been trying to, inshallah, get back to having the class on a consistent basis. Alhamdulillah, we were able to start again today. And uh, the hope and the dua is that, inshallah, we're able to stay consistent uh, every Tuesday after Salat al-Isha here, inshallah. So very quickly, uh, without going into a lot of detail, because the recordings and things like that are online for those who want to go back and follow up on the previous sessions... I just wanted to uh, recall exactly where we are in our study of the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Or, you know, as I always explain in the beginning, this is the study of the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, asira to the prophetic biography. So, where we are right now is that we are in the seventh year of Hijrah, the seventh year of Hijrah, the seventh year of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's residence in the city of Medina. What has happened so far? Obviously, not like once again, like I said, not going into too much detail, but major milestone or milestones or major markers. In the second year, you of course had the Battle of Badr, which was a very definitive, defining event. You had the Battle of Uhud in the third year. After that, in the fourth year, you had some different uh, events that occurred. The fifth year was highlighted by the occurrence of the Battle of the Trench. Ghazwatul Khandaq or Ghazwatul Ahzab, where the armies they had allied and united against the Muslims. In the, sixth, in, in the sixth year following after that, the major event that we talked about in a lot of detail was the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. Sulhul Hudaybiyah, the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, in which the Prophet ﷺ, along with the Muslims, they departed from the city of Medina on their way to Mecca to perform Umrah. They were of course blocked and that it ended up becoming the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. What we talked about now was after the Treaty of Hudaybiyah was signed, and according to the treaty, there were 10 years of peace between Mecca and Medina. The Prophet ﷺ was able to turn his attention to other things that he had kind of put on hold, because obviously Mecca was a much bigger issue to deal with. The Quraysh were a much bigger problem to grapple with. Now he was able to turn his attention to different issues that he had left for later. Um, and amongst those issues was Khaybar. Khaybar was the stronghold of many of the Jewish tribes that had planned and conspired um, and orchestrated the attack on the city of Medina that was the Battle of the Trench. That was orchestrated from Khaybar. 
So the Prophet ﷺ now had the opportunity to be able to deal with that. And what we covered before we went on break in the previous sessions was we talked about the Battle of Khaybar over the span of a couple of different uh, sessions and we concluded by talking about just kind of the wrap-up from the Battle of Khaybar. What we're going to talk about today is something, it's, it's going to kind of seem like a very uh, isolated event, but it's very interesting, it's very uh, intriguing. Um, and this was in the immediate aftermath of the Battle of Khaybar, and it involves the Battle of Khaybar as well. So, the, so one thing that I want to highlight before I go forward, the Treaty of Hudaybiyah is in place. What that should mean is that the Muslims are now no longer out to get the Quraysh. They're not plotting and planning against the Quraysh. And what that should mean is that the Quraysh, the Meccans, are no longer trying to come after Medina, trying to get at the Muslims and the Prophet ﷺ. That's what it should mean. However, the reality of the matter was that while the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims were abiding by the terms of the treaty, and they had completely put to rest any type of negative will that they had towards the Meccans, towards the Quraysh, the Quraysh were still harboring a lot of animosity and a lot of resentment towards the Muslims, towards the Prophet ﷺ, towards the city of Medina. And so when the Battle of Khaybar happened, it kind of unfolded pretty quickly, and it was to the north of even Medina. So Quraysh had not gotten a lot of information as to what occurred at Khaybar. They had gotten this much intelligence, this much information, that the Muslims have marched on Khaybar, and after what happened after that, they did not know. So there was a lot of curiosity in Mecca as to what occurred with Khaybar. Now I want you to keep that fact in mind. The story that we're going to talk about today involves a sahabi, a companion of the Prophet ﷺ, by the name of Al-Hajjaj ibn Ilat. Al-Hajjaj ibn Ilat. Al-Sulami thumma al-Bahzi. So he approaches, and this incident is mentioned in the books of Sirah, like Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Hisham, Ibn Kathir, and others. And it is also mentioned by Imam Ahmad in his Musnad. That this Sahabi, Al-Hajjaj Ibn Ilat, he was from Mecca. He was originally from Mecca. And he said that, I have a wife who is still back in Mecca by the name of Umm Shayba. She is the daughter of Abu Talha. And it seems like, as we go through the story, it seems like maybe him and his wife were no longer on the same page. She maybe was not Muslim, was not with the cause. She was siding with the Meccans. That's what it seems like. Nevertheless, he says that I still have my wife there from the, from the marriage from previously in Mecca. And she has a lot of my wealth. I still have a lot of wealth that remains in the city of Mecca. She has my wealth, there's a lot of people there that still owe me a lot of money, um, and they have the ability to pay me. It's just I don't have the ability to be able to collect from them. And it's quite a bit of wealth, and not only would that be good and beneficial to me here in Medina as a muhajir, as an immigrant, but it could also be beneficial because I would like to contribute, I would like to be a part of the cause, and I have these financial constraints. So he said, O Messenger of God, I have an idea. Ya Rasulullah, inna li bi Makkah tamalan inda sahibati umma Shayba bint Abi Talha wa kanat indahu lahu minha muarrad ibn al-Hijaj wa malan mutafariqan fi tujari ahli Makkah. Fa'adhan li ya Rasulullah. He says, he explains his circumstances that I have this wealth and these businessmen, they owe me money. I can go and collect. I just need your permission to be able to go and collect. Fa'adhina. Lahu, the Prophet ﷺ gave him permission. He said, go ahead. 
Then he said, إِنَّهُ لَا بُدَّ لِي يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ مِنْ أَنْ أَقُولَ Very interesting. The Arabic is very interesting as well. He says, O Messenger of God, however, in order for me to be able to effectively collect, because he was aware of the fact that even though we are in this truce between Makkah and Medina currently, the Makkans, the Quraysh still harbor a lot of ill will towards the Muslims. So it is very likely, is very possible that I might have to say some things. And he kind of leaves it very vague like that. I might have to say some things. Alright, and the Prophet says, قُلْ Go ahead. And from this right away we understand off the bat, even though this might not seem very palatable, it might not seem very, you know, in a very superficial, at a very superficial level, it might not seem very courageous, it might not seem very brave, but what we understand from this is that you have to understand people's circumstances and situations. You never know what exactly somebody is dealing with. And this fundamentally shows us that when it comes down to somebody being able to protect their life, protect their property, protect their family, in order to be able to collect on what is their right, that sometimes they end up having to make certain compromises. They don't do so comfortably. But at the same time, we have to practice a lot of empathy. And we have to understand where they're coming from. And we have to support them so that we don't end up losing them. So he says that, Hajjad says that I left uh, Medina, and I started proceeding towards Mecca. When I got close to Mecca, there were a group of individuals from Quraysh, from Mecca. And what they were doing was that they were talking to people who were traveling on the path between Mecca and Medina, and they were actually trying to collect information about what happened at Khaybar, what's going on. And when they saw me, he says that they knew... They, they did not know yet that I had accepted Islam. Interestingly enough, they did, these individuals that I ran into, they didn't know that I was Muslim. But because I was coming from that direction, they said, you must know exactly what happened in the north. You must know what happened with you know, Khaybar and things like that. So he says that I had that permission from the Prophet ﷺ. So I told them that I have some news that you'll be very happy to hear. And then I just kind of kept walking, all right? I have some news that you'll be very happy to hear, and I kind of kept walking. I was hoping that's all that would be necessary to say. So he says, So he says that they basically started to, They started kind of walking along with me on both sides of me. I was on my camel, I was moving forward, and they kind of started walking along with me which kind of let me know that they're not going to let me go so easily. They want more information. So they said, إِيه يَا حَجَّاج Like, come on, come on, spill the beans. Come on, tell us exactly what happened. So he says that, you know, the Muslims were defeated like you wouldn't even believe. And many of the companions were killed like you wouldn't believe. And he says that, you know, and Muhammad wasallam was captured. He was taken prisoner. So he says this, and of course, like I had mentioned, he had that permission from the Prophet So, and then he goes on to say that, and the people of Khaybar said, we will not execute Muhammad Rather, what we will do is, we will send him to Mecca, so that the Meccans may exact their revenge from Muhammad So he says, they found out, and they, they, they just ran off, they rushed off in the direction of Mecca, and they got there and they started you know, spreading the word in Mecca, you won't believe what happened, you won't believe what happened. 
He says, in the meantime, I, you know, got back to the city of Mecca and some more people approached me like, really, we found out that this happened and that happened and, you know, and he said that I was able to kind of even leverage. They were all very grateful for me, grateful to me. Thank you for sharing this information with us. So he said, by the way, can I ask a favor from y'all? Can y'all help me kind of collect some money that some people owe me? And they were like, sure, we'd love to help you. How can we help you any way that we can? And he said that we started going around. And before you knew it, right, in, in a lot shorter time than I had originally anticipated, we were a, I was able to collect all the money that was owed to me uh, throughout the city of Mecca. And I was able to pick up whatever money I had saved in my own home as well. He says, however, I was collecting some money from some businessmen. I went to the marketplace. I was standing there. I was collecting on some unpaid invoices from some businessmen. And I was approached by Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib. Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ. Now, what's very interesting about Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, is that he was now Muslim. But he was keeping his Islam hidden. He was keeping Islam. He had accepted Islam. He had become Muslim, but he was keeping his Islam hidden. And what he would do is, he would eventually come to Medina and join the Prophet ﷺ there after the conquest of Mecca, after the Fatih of Mecca. All right? So he's still in Mecca. Everybody knows him as the Abbas of old, but he has actually accepted Islam. And because of that, he knows that Al-Hajjaj is Muslim. And he knows that Al-Hajjaj is coming from there. And one of the narrations, the narration of Imam Ahmad in his Musnad actually says that Abbas first heard the news that, you know, uh, Hajjaj had been spreading about the Muslims being defeated and the Sahaba being killed and the Prophet ﷺ, God forbid, being taken prisoner. He, he heard all this news at home. And he says, it shook me. Number one, because of course this is his nephew, Muhammad ﷺ is his nephew. He loves him like a son. Okay? Secondly, he is a Muslim now. And he says that I was so grief-stricken by this news. Like I felt paralyzed, I couldn't move. And he said, legitimately, I felt, such, I felt so sick and I felt such weakness, I did not have the strength to get up, physically get up. And I was so grief-stricken by this. How could this happen? Why did this happen? He says, eventually, you know, I got my strength up and I went out looking for Al-Hajjaj. Like I needed to hear this for myself. So he finds him in the marketplace collecting some money from some businessmen, Tujjar. And he says, he approaches him and he says that, you know, what is Yahjaj? What are you talking about? What is this news that you've come with that I hear? And he was very agitated, very irate. And Al-Hajjaj could see that he was agitated and Al-Hajjaj knew that Abbas is the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, and that he's secretively Muslim. He knew this. So Hajjaj is not very concerned because he doesn't want to blow his cover at the same time. Right? So what he does is, he says, So he kind of covers up and he kind of looks at Abbas and he says, Oh, don't I have something I have to collect from you as well? And Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu may be realizing, he plays along and he says, yes, there is something. So he says, okay, perfect. Why don't I get done with here? And then when I'm done here, I'll come and collect whatever I have to collect from you. Abbas says, that sounds good. He eventually approaches Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu. He meets him. And he says that, احفظ علي حديثي يا أبا الفضل فإني أخشى الطلبة ثلاثا ثم قل ما شئتا. He says, oh, Abu al-Fadl. It's, it's the kunya of Abbas, his son is Fadl, 
right? And you can see the respect in how he's addressing him. Ya Abul Fadl, oh Abul Fadl, I'm going to tell you something. I need you to keep my secrets because I'm afraid that someone's going to try to kill me if they find out. Give me three days. I'm, I'm pretty much done with my collections. I'm going to be leaving Mecca immediately. Give me three days so that I'm halfway to Medina and then you can basically disclose whatever information that you see fit. He says, absolutely. And then he tells him that, فَيْنِي وَاللَّهِ لَقَدْ تَرَكْتُ إِبْنَ أَخِيكَ عُرُوسًا عَلَى بِنْتِ مُلْكِهِمْ مَلِكِهِمْ يَعْنِي صَفِيَّ بِنْتِ حُيَيْ He says, first of all, I left Medina after having attended the walima of your nephew, Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who married the princess of Khaybar, Safiya bint Huyayh. Not only that, but Khaybar was conquered. And all the goods of Khaybar were recovered. So now there is even some economic stability in the city of Mecca, in the city of Medina, excuse me. And the Prophet sallallahu and the Sahaba are safe and sound. So he then says, مَا تَقُولْ يَا حَجَّاجَ Abbas is in disbelief because he's so happy and relieved at this news. He says, are you telling me the truth? And he says, اِي وَاللَّهِ I swear to God I'm telling you the truth. فَكْتُمْ عَنِّي But I need you to please contain your excitement and not let anyone know. وَلَقَدْ أَسْلَمْتُ And he says that, I am Muslim and I only came to collect my money, to collect my wealth, what rightfully belongs to me. فَرَقًا مِنْ أَنْ أُغْلَبَ عَلَيْهِ and I was afraid that they were going to try to seize my wealth and my money. So once I'm three days out of Makkah, then you can tell anyone that you need to. You can do as you see fit. So Al-Hajjaj ibn Ilad, the Sahabi, he collects everything that is due to him, that is rightfully his, and he heads out of Makkah on the way back to Medina. Three days pass. Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu, labisa al-Abbasu hullatan lahu. Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu put on some very kind of like fancy garments. They were almost like um, something that, because he was a leader of Quraysh, he's a statesman of Quraysh. So when you would go to like a council meeting, you'd put on a robe or something that kind of gave the air of, you know, um, kind of like gave the air of something being very official, very official looking. It was like a uniform for the officials, for the government leaders to wear. So he puts on this hullah, and he basically fixes him up. And then he takes this big walking stick that was also like something that was very formally taken when you were going to kind of address the people. Alright, so he takes this and he proceeds towards the Kaaba. And then he walks into the Kaaba and then he does tawaf of the Kaaba. As was again the tradition. That before you address the people, before the leader addressed the people, he would do the tawaf. So he does the tawaf of the Kaaba. When they saw him dressed in the robe, holding the asa, doing the tawaf, people started to congregate and kind of stop and get quiet and wait. Because this meant he's about to address the people. When they saw him, they said, Ya Abul Fadl, هذا wallahi at-tajallud liharri al-musibah. He says that this is the type, the, the whole demeanor you have, the, the whole uh, ritual that you were going through, and the way you're dressed and the way you look, it's usually before somebody gives like some very big news, sometimes some very bad news, like maybe an army is coming or something like that. So he says, He says, no, no, not at all. But, لَقَدَ إِفْتَتَحَ مُحَمَّدٌ I wanted to inform y'all that Muhammad actually conquered Khaybar. Not only that, but he, the, the, the princess of Khaybar, the daughter of the leader of Khaybar, 
Huyayb bin Akhtab, his daughter Safiya, became a Muslim and she is now a mother of the believers. And all that wealth of Khaybar was recovered by the Muslims and now Medina is more economically stable than it was ever before. So they immediately scoffed at it. They said, Man ja'aka al khabar? Who told you this? Where did you find this? Because they've been celebrating the last few days. They've been celebrating the exact opposites. Right? So he says, Alladhi ja'akum bima ja'akum bihi. The one that brought you your news is the one who told me this. And وَلَقَدْ دَخَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ مُسْلِمًا وَأَخَذَ مَالَهُ Not only that, but when he came here, he was a Muslim, and he just came to collect his property, and now he's long gone. فَانْطَلَقَ لِيَلْحَقَ بِمُحَمَّدْ وَأَصْحَابِهِ فَيَكُونُ مَعَهُ And now he's probably back in Medina by now, with the Prophet ﷺ and his companions and his community. So they said, يَا لَعِبَادَ اللَّهِ They said that, oh, what, what happened here? إِنْ فَلَتَ عَدُوُ اللَّهِ uh, they said that he got away from us. He tricked us. But if we knew, we would have dealt with him. And at that point in time, basically, that was how the Meccans found out about the victory of the Prophet ﷺ at the place of Khaybar. And how the Meccans, they were really exposed this really ended up exposing to Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu and to the Muslims and to the Prophet that even though they had the treaty of Hudaybiyyah, even though they were supposed to be on the same page now, even though they were no longer supposed to be at war with one another, Mecca, Quraysh still harbored a lot of ill will towards the Prophet and the Muslims and they were looking for any opportunity that they could find uh, in order to be able to um, get the upper hand on the Prophet wasallam and the Muslims. Not only that, but the narration of Imam Ahmad uh, also mentions that after this news, after Abbas anhu disclosed this, and he kind of did this to, let, to, to deliver a moral blow, kind of a moral, uh, to, get, to gain a moral victory over the morale of the Quraysh and right, somewhat demoralize them. At that point in time, Abbas anhu says that there were some Muslims there were some people in Mecca who accepted Islam. And if you remember the terms of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, they were that no one, anyone who, ex, who left Mecca in order to go and join the Muslims in Medina would be forcibly returned, forcefully returned back to Mecca and back to the custody of the Quraysh. So because of that, any individuals who were either already Muslim in Mecca at the time of the signing of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah and those who had become Muslim in the years since, they were all keeping their Islam hidden. And Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhu says that it, they were keeping their Islam so quiet that even I did not know who many of these individuals were, who many of these Muslims were. And when this news spread, he said they kind of came out of the woodworks and they started to come to me very quietly, very privately, visit with me, tell me that we are Muslims and we were very happy and overjoyed to hear the fact that the Prophet ﷺ is safe and that the Muslims are safe and that the victory was achieved at Khaybar and that Medina is better off than it was ever before. So this is the little story about um, Al-Hajjaj ibn Ilaq and what it kind of shows you is what was the general 
kind of sentiment and what was the vibe, you know, between the Mecca, between Mecca and Medina, between the Quraysh and the Muslims in the aftermath of the Battle of Khaybar. Inshallah, as we go forward, what we'll talk about is that on the way back from uh, the Battle of Khaybar, the Prophet ﷺ, he passed by uh, some of the Jewish tribes of Tema. These were the Jewish tribes of a specific region. He passed through them. And the Prophet ﷺ entered into a treaty, a peaceful treaty with the Jews of Tema. And furthermore, when he arrives back in Medina, we'll talk about how the Prophet ﷺ now started to send small groups small contingents of Muslims in all directions uh, uh, around the city of Medina to start inviting people to Islam and to start establishing these alliances. And you really are able to appreciate that as difficult as the Treaty of Hudaybiyah was in the moment where the Muslims felt like they were taking a loss, like they were just surrendering all these terms over to the Quraysh, you really see the wisdom of a course of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the wisdom of the Prophet ﷺ of entering into the Treaty of Hudaybiyah that what it did was it took a huge burden off the mind and the shoulders and the hearts of the Muslims that was the Quraysh in Mecca, kind of put it off to the side while the Muslims could focus on stabilizing, really building the city of Medina, the community, and establishing alliances all around the city of Medina, thereby strengthening Medina in order that, and all of this would of course lead to what we'll be talking about soon enough in the Fathu Makkah, the opening, the conquest of the city of Makkah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to practice everything that we've said and heard. Inshallah, we'll go ahead and stop here. I know it was a bit of a shorter session, but because Isha is still a little late, so we'll go ahead and stop here, inshallah, as we go forward in the coming weeks and Isha kind of continues to move up. Then inshallah, we'll spend a little more time every week. Jazakumullah khairan. Subhanallah bihamdihi. Subhanakallah bihamdik. نشهد ولا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك وأنا تبوي لك.